Justine. And I'm Elisa. And we are the Murder Sisters. Sisters. That was a good one. Yeah. So today is, today's episode is episode number 14. Yes, it is. Woo woo. Just a random number. It's nothing special, yeah. but <laughs> one more episode. And today is an extra special episode because mm-hmm. it's going to be a listener hometown murder. Yep. So Mary. Mm-hmm. Wrote in. We mentioned her at the in the last episode. Yes, and thank you so much, Mary. She wrote in and told us about her hometown of Bay Village, Ohio, and a little girl that went missing and was later discovered murdered. Mm-hmm. And the case has never been solved. It's still unsolved to this day. And this happened back in 1989. So this is an important case to cover. Mm-hmm. I think there's also been some some recent development. Yes, there is. Okay, great. So shout out again to Mary. Mary. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Uh, You're the best. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start out. Did you have anything else nope, to add? Let's just jump right jump in. in. We like to just get in there. Yeah, we don't have business to discuss. <laughs> Nothing. We really don't. <laughs> okay. So um, Amy Renee Mihalovic was born on December 11th, 1978 to Margaret and Mark Mihalovic. That's a lot of M's. Mm-hmm. In Little Rock, Arkansas. At the age of three, her family, which also included her older brother, who was three years older than her, named Jason, uh, they all moved to Bay Village, Ohio for Mark's job at an auto dealership. Bay Village was described by Amy's father as a bedroom community. It was a you know town that residents felt safe in. Kids could ride their bikes in the street. Uh, they left their door. It's like mm-hmm. the typical... We used to sleep with our front doors unlocked. Which you personally, I don't care how safe you feel. I would feel. never. Bad idea. I would never. But I'm just, uh, yeah. But I think it's. I think it just shows a point like back in the 80s when this yeah. happened. The town was only, the population was only 17,000. So you can imagine everyone knew each other in this yeah. town. And when you are conditioned to not have, like to not experience a lot of crime in your community, then that's just mm-hmm. how it is. You don't think about it. It's not some kind of yeah, thought. Yeah, like locking your doors. Yeah, like exactly. So I give them a break on that b- just because it, that's a kind of community it was. And they trusted each other for good reason until something bad happened. And so like I said, she had an older brother. He was two grades above Amy. Mm-hmm. And so in 1989, when this happened to Amy, we'll talk about that. She was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And yeah. her brother was two grades above. So fifth is seventh. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I was thinking. Okay, so she was in fifth grade. She was 10 years old, and she was described as being outgoing, fun, very loving, caring, adventurous. She was really bright. She was a bright student, bright girl. She was actually in the gifted program at her school, and by all accounts, they she seemed to have a typical family life. Her parents were married. They were both mm-hmm. working, her and her brother Uh, would ride their bikes to school. Yeah, it was just a normal life. There's actually a video online of Amy and and a couple of places. Mm -hmm. One was an episode of Crime Stoppers, and she was giving a presentation that same year, 1989. Uh She was 10. 
and uh, looked like a book report type thing. Okay. And she seemed just very confident. Mm-hmm. I was waiting. I was almost waiting because, you know, at 10 years old, you're okay for a little bit. And then it's yeah. like, ah, but she never like tripped up. She just looked very confident. Very sure of herself. herself. Like she had practiced a lot and uh-huh. she just knew what she was going to say. So for a 10 year old to have that kind of a confidence is that's awesome, unique mm-hmm. and cool. And that's what her dad said too. She was very like adventurous and the type of child who wanted to do everything herself didn't want help from her parents which reminds me a lot of Elisa when she was <laughs> younger her little <laughs> saying that we still say I do myself yeah that was um, like my no help phrase that I yeah it's like the younger sibling thing yeah like all right I got I think it from I here I felt like I, I was like seeing you do all the stuff and I was like I want to do that now yeah <laughs> and that's what it sounded like Amy was like very independent mm-hmm. I don't need help so she was very social she had a lot of friends and she loved her friends and her mm-hmm. kids her age she wasn't into like interacting with adults much which who what child yeah. is uh because adults are boring like she would be polite her dad said but not not she wasn't one of those kids who's like striking up conversations yeah. with adults or like carrying on conversations with adults and so one adult that amy was very close to was mm-hmm. her mom margaret uh they were described as being best best friends okay very close one thing amy said she wanted to be when she was younger she said she wanted to grow up to be president <laughs> this is kind of like no but it does oh. it's She wanted to grow up to be president someday, but not actual president because only men were. Oh, so she would be vice president. Okay, which is like any girls listening to this. If you are, you can. You girls can can be be president president for sure. Like and vice president and her dad. The way her dad said it, it was like kind of jokey, but you know, it was the eighties. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind. It's just sad. Yeah, I could. totally see that because they it wasn't a thing back then I was around in the 80s given my age away but yeah it wasn't I don't know Mm -hmm. things were different even even different times yeah so outside of school Amy's favorite thing to do was riding her horse razzle she took lessons for two years leading up to her ultimate murder and she went to Holly Hill riding stables her lessons started out as only a couple days a week but by the time she was 10, uh, she was riding Razzle nearly every day. She loved it there. I love that name for a horse. I know. Razzle. <laughs> she loved animals of all kind, playing outdoors. Like I said, she was very active, like just loved playing, having fun. Being sports. a kid. Yeah, being a kid. And another activity that Amy participated in, she did a lot. Mm -hmm. She was in the gifted program too. She was in choir at school and Mm -hmm. Amy had actually used uh, fake choir practice to lie to her mom about why she wouldn't be home right after school that day. It was a Friday. Mm -hmm. So it was actually on Friday, October 27th, 1989. And Amy was going supposed to go to choir practice but amy what amy actually had planned that day was pretty much every parent's worst nightmare ever she was going to meet a stranger at bay village square shopping center how was this possible you may ask because how is this possible there is no internet so like (laughs) how does she meet a stranger well the creepiest most predatory thing happened a couple days prior to amy going missing she received a phone call from a male caller who stated that he would let 
Amy buy her mother a gift at the shopping center for her job promotion. Mm. So Amy's mom switched jobs, but it wasn't an actual promotion. I think yeah. she went from temp to permanent. And you might get into these details a little more, but just setting the timeline. He also stated he would let Amy buy something for herself. The reason we know that these details Mm -hmm. is because Amy told her friends at school. And at one point, Jason, Amy's older brother, had overheard her talking about a shopping trip. That same day at school, Amy had gone through a presentation about not talking to strangers. So are you kidding me? A police officer came in that same day. Oh, gosh. And gave a presentation about not talking to strangers and like stranger danger, pretty much. Oh, God. To her class, specifically. It was almost well, like... Well, it wasn't very effective, clearly. Yeah, it was almost... I know. And he like, admitted it, too. I, Yeah, I respect the guy just because he's admitting like, I tried to teach him and look what happened. Same day. Same exact day. Like, oh, God, how bad would you feel? She was. Here's the thing I'm thinking. uh, She must have trusted whoever this was Mm -hmm. enough. And we don't like to her. It wasn't a stranger. Yeah. It just even if she didn't know them. And yeah. And for her dad to say she didn't like. Oh, okay. Trusting. Sorry, that's why you going yeah, back. I wasn't to why just you being creepy that. about. You were just you're focusing all, heavily uh, on the fact that I'm she all, didn't chat up adults. Let's less. talk about Amy and whether and or not adults. she likes to talk to, to adults. adults. <laughs> like, so that makes this is more a weird sense. T- yes, that's where it comes like full circle. So, so weird. Her dad was like, "No, she wouldn't. Like, she was shy, quiet. If somebody asked her a question, she would like, yeah." Yeah, but not like engage in a conversation. He would have had to say something so, so convincing. What, yeah, what did he say to get her on the hook? Everyone asks that question. That's the quest- biggest question is what had he called before? We don't know those answers. And it's like, it could be as simple as him promising to buy her something. Yeah, but, but still. Like, and, and her dad said like she knew about straight. Her brother said she knew about strangers. She wouldn't have done that. And so that's why everyone was just so shocked. It's like totally out of character. Well, I mean, what he did use is her own mom. Who she was very close to. Yeah. And she was probably like, I want to surprise my mom. Like, I love my mom. Oh, my gosh. This chance to. And he uh, you. okay. if a creepy guy calls, no matter if you like adults or not. And it's like, hey, little girl. So I just feel like there's something more. My question. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. But when we were a little older, we had our own phone line at home back in the day when you had house phones. I had a clear one with the neon cords. Yeah. But we had a house phone when we were kids and we weren't allowed to answer the phone. Isn't correct? We were also, like we've said in previous episodes, a little on the sheltered side. But I, I mean, for good reason. I don't know about answering the phone. I, can't I really remember can't ever even remember. Being able, like, but here's the, the thing: both of the parents worked a lot, and so mm-hmm. the kids would usually. Jason said that he would come home from school, and normally Amy would be like lounging on the couch. They were kind of like latchkey kids, okay. from the sounds of it. So those kids are a lot more independent. Yeah. I mean, like, let's face facts. Okay, that makes more sense. Because, like, what, if they're used to, like, maybe the mom calls and That's another them. thing. Yep, that's another thing, is that that's how they would communicate. So then communicate. they, like, have to answer the phone? Yeah. How creepy, though, that that's how she got to the shopping center. Ugh. Uh, creepo weirdo. So, like I said, she told her friends... James had or Jason had overheard 
and that she must have trusted this guy. The universe tried to intervene that day by the police officer coming in and talking to the class. It's like, what are the odds? But after school around 2.05 p.m., Amy left. And though she had ridden her bike to school that day, she left school on foot, leaving the bike on the school bike rack. I thought about this. What is the purpose? Because on a bike... You could go get away faster. And maybe they said, don't ride your... I mean, this is what I was thinking. Don't ride your... Just walk over there for whatever reason. And like, I'll drive you and to I'll get give your you a ride. bike. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Because I was like, you could still get to the shopping center on your bike. He must have said... Because I just don't see the other. Yeah, that's a weird part to me. Very. Yeah. But it's, it's actually a good part because. Okay. Yeah. Because um, uh, the bike was left there. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, she hadn't, she had ridden her bike, left it at school and uh, left on foot, leaving the bike rack on the school or leaving the bike on the school bike rack. She walked eastbound on Wolf Road and crossed a bridge. It looked like. Kind of just a road bridge thing. And while crossing that bridge, Amy ran into two of her friends. The group of girls then continued down Wolf Road. They ended up at Baskin Robbins, which is near the Bay Village Shopping Center. So that's where she had planned on going. Yeah. And the Baskin Robbins is like on the corner that connects with the shopping center. And it's a hot spot. It's a hot (laughs) spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, it was like where all the kids went after school. And so the girls all bought an ice cream when they were finished eating. The two friends of Amy's headed to their, to their own homes, their Mm -hmm. respective homes. Amy hung around the Bay village shopping center around the Baskin Robbins and a barber shop next door. And there were a lot of kids, like Elisa said, that hung out at this Baskin Robbins after Mm -hmm. school and especially on a Friday afternoon after school when it's hot. And it was really hot. right? Yeah. And so that's the perfect spot to go. And Amy's social. She's like hanging around talking to people, but then starts walking, like pacing back and forth. And and some of the people there had said that it looked like she was actually waiting for someone maybe or Mm -hmm. looking for something. Amy's brother had planned on going with her that day to the shopping center or Baskin Robbins. But it was actually Baskin Robbins, like the cool hangout spot. Mm -hmm. But he had changed his mind. He didn't want to run into these bullies. Mm Mm-hmm. And they hadn't been bullying him lately, so he decided he wouldn't even risk it, and he just went home. His grade got left let out earlier than hers. She got let out. She earlier. got out let out early, so then she went to the Baskin Robbins. Mm-hmm. He then he got out, and then he was like, "Well, Amy's probably at the Baskin Robbins." Yeah, because Amy's school, from what I understood, Amy's school was released before the junior high that he went to. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. So she went on ahead. He probably either assumed she was going there or that she had gone there and then was coming home right after getting ice cream or he just didn't really know her plans at all. It. Yeah, because it sounded like they didn't have like solid plans. No. Like, let's meet up. It was more like 
everyone just was kind of going oh there. yeah she went there and i was actually planning on going there but yeah. i didn't it wasn't like hey so it wasn't amy, like I'm amy was sitting you. around waiting for her brother Mm-mm. and the way he described it as coming home from school and she'd mm-hmm. be hanging out at the house like yeah so she always got i was home like oh hey him. what's up yeah it, really independent kids so like i said he went home amy continued to stick around the baskin robbins and the barber shop next door it looked like she was look trying to find somebody waiting for someone and that is when a white male approached amy there was a conversation he put his hand on her lower back and amy's friends witnessed this amy and jason's mom was at work so now we're mm-hmm. go- hopping over to margaret's work and when the kids got out of school usually they would call their mom and let mm-hmm. her know and on this day jason called but he told his mom Amy was at home. Yeah. Shortly after, Margaret got a call from Amy saying she was home, which was a lie. Mm-hmm. And this is where the timeline and maybe you can clarify. So I know that Amy called Margaret while she was at work. Yes. I don't know if so. It sounds like Jason called. Amy's not here. A little after Amy called mom. I'm home. I'm fine. Then Margaret left work early, came home, and that's when she discovered that Amy wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so that day, Amy told two lies that would turn out to be fatal, just the after school thing, and then that she was actually home. So, so mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, um, jump in. Yeah. So I didn't actually, I didn't see where it said that she told her mom she was home, but I do know that. So Jason called Margaret right when he got home. We can assume that was like at three because we know that he called again 30 minutes later. So after 30 minutes after the first phone call that Jason made to his mom, he made the second call to Margaret letting her know that Amy still had not returned. And at that point, Margaret started packing up her stuff, but then got a phone call from Amy during that time she was packing up. I didn't I didn't know that she had told her mom she was home. Yeah, she said like, hi, mom. Yeah, I'm home. And then but Amy's mom still went home and it took about 10 minutes. She saw that she wasn't there. And then she said, looking back on that call, it she Amy didn't sound right. Mm -hmm. She was like uncharacteristically. She sounded off answers. Yeah, she sounded off. Just nervous. Like she could just tell it's a mom. So she Uh could tell like something's off and and she Amy didn't lie to them. She just wasn't Mm -hmm. the type to lie. But she told two fat lies that day. Big. Yeah. She thought she was doing something good for her mom. But probably the second lie that said she was home is I'm sure it was like whoever took her making her. Yes. Yeah. Maybe to buy time. Yeah. You're right, Elisa totally i didn't think of that but it didn't work no mom came home early she came and she knew deep inside that something was wrong right when she came home she went to the school to see like if she was at the school Mm -hmm. and then when she arrived there she saw amy's bike still on the bike rack so that was like the first hint like elisa said well it's good actually good that the bike was left because then they would have thought Oh, she's probably riding around yeah. with friends or whatever. I mean, that was like a, like, why yep. would she ever leave? Her Gosh, life? that's, yeah. 
Thank God Amy was nowhere around the school. Her bike was still there. So then that's when Margaret went straight to the police station and spoke with Officer Spetzel or Spetzel, S-P-A-E-T-Z-E-L. Beats me. And he was coincidentally the same officer that taught Amy's class about stranger danger that same day. So he's like, oh, God. Not only did I... He didn't realize until two weeks later that... Two weeks! Yeah. Well, yeah. He didn't know that it was like that specific class that Amy was in that he went and talked to them. Oh, my God. And it's like such a big blow. I know. He was just like shocked, but... um, And clearly they needed to like reconfigure there well this had never happened it was like they couldn't even find a case that was like similar to this at that Mm -hmm. time it was just such a unique i mean it sounds like it's from a movie because it sounds so fake that a stranger would call and like lure them in yeah the whole thing is just yeah and so after filing a missing persons report for her daughter margaret went home to call everyone anyone and um, nobody knew where Amy was. So I'm going to let Elisa continue from there. Yes. Okay, cool. You did a great job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And that's another thing I wanted yeah. to say is we took this case so seriously because, well, we always do. But yeah. Mary, I could just tell that she really cared about, cares about it. And yeah. we always want to help. And so we just felt this like extra sense of yeah, responsibility we, well, we put a lot of pressure on <laughs> no no which, well I personally did because I wanted to just do like an exceptional job yeah I hope that I did okay there was so much information yeah that it was hard to like weed through what was bs and what was yeah facts exactly and, like feel free to call me out if I'm like not saying something right so when Amy's father Mark had made it home from work he was confronted with obviously a frantic Margaret who filled him in on the fact that their youngest child and only daughter was missing and while Amy was making those phone calls like Justine had said their neighbor her name is Jean Sabo she was the mother of a girl named Kristen Sabo Uh, and just something to note really quickly was that the Sabos were a family that was very close specifically to Amy So Amy and Kristen were really close friends growing up and Amy spent a lot of time over at their house because according to Jean, she didn't like Amy to be home alone. And she also said that Margaret had a pretty heavy drinking problem. So she just liked for Amy to spend as much time over at her house as possible. But once Kristen joined soccer and Amy started to do her horseback riding lessons, like Justine had mentioned, their friendship kind of drifted. But Jean Sabo jumped right in to help as much as she could. And what she ended up doing was she got the PTA involved and had she broke up all of the fifth graders in Amy's school and gave each PTA member a chunk of names and numbers to call. And they went through the whole entire list, called every single person on that list in the whole fifth grade, asking if anyone had seen Amy, if anyone knew where she was. But unfortunately, that led nowhere. And Mark also joined in the search after he had gotten home and found out what was going on. And he went around and checked what he referred to as like Amy's favorite spots. And that included her school, 
uh, a nearby nearby park, oh my gosh, sorry, called Huntington Park. And there was also a creek that ran behind her school and it like drained out into Lake Erie. So they did a lot of searching around that area and specifically shouting out Amy's name in the hopes that she would you know, respond back to them, but she never did. And I'm sure anyone who is even somewhat familiar with this case knows the unforgettable picture that was shown all over the news when Amy went missing. Mm-hmm. It has, it was her latest school picture. And in the photo, Amy has, a, she has like a partially open smile, mm-hmm. like kind of a smirk almost. Her hair is up in a half side ponytail and it's fastened with a small pink scrunchie. And then she has a white and pale pink t-shirt on and a cross necklace. Oh. I can like, as soon yeah. as her name like is said, I, that picture just pops yeah. up in my head. Yeah. And that actually was provided to local news stations by Jean Sabo. Oh, the neighbor? Mm-hmm. Okay. She ran that picture down to the local news station and asked them if they could run the you know wow yeah. oh my god and that became like the picture the, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah every time I see that picture too it's just like oh god it's just tragedy like, I remember yeah and obviously this happened when I you were I, I was like one, you were three yeah you oh, remember thank you for calling my age out <laughs> appreciated we'll edit that part out so obviously I learned about this case like as an adult kind of so I'm not, I don't remember it at the time because I was too young. Uh, but roughly 14 hours after Amy had been reported missing by her mother, the FBI was brought in. And the FBI immediately set up a command center at the Bay Village Police Department where Detective Special Agent Wren, I believe, was leading the case. The day after Amy went missing, so that was Saturday, October 28th, 1989, the FBI brought in search dogs to search the area around Holly Hill Farms, which was the farm where Amy took her horseback riding lessons at. And they also brought in airplanes with heat sensing equipment, which they flew over areas surrounding the farm in the horse stables. Okay. Wait, did you say how this, how they thought to look at this? I mean, I'm just, about to. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Now the tables have turned. Yeah, I'm usually the one that jumps again. <laughs> so the reason why the FBI were focusing on this particular area was because of information that they had received regarding the son of the man who owned Holly Hill Farms. The son's name was Harold Bound, but most people referred to him as HB. And according to reports, HB was a Vietnam veteran, and he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. And they also mentioned that he was very into firearms and various other weapons, like bow and arrow, and oh, like crossbows. Yeah. So, in oh, fact, like crossbows. Yeah. What <laughs> do you know cool. about crossbows? I'm- so, in fact, one of the other girls that had took riding lessons at Holly Hill Farm, her name was Jennifer O'Brien. She had recalled an instance when. She saw HB walking around in one of the fields that was just behind the barn area. And he was wearing like full head to toe camouflage and he was carrying a bow. And it really like gave her a creepy vibe, which it it would probably give me a creepy yeah. vibe. Police and the FBI did not find any evidence of Amy being at the stables. And in my, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think that HB was the one that took her. I think that... 
he I think he suffered from mental health problems and he was a little off and mm-hmm. a little weird but I don't think that he I don't know I could be wrong but I just don't think he was a, Is, was there anyone else at the horse stable that no they were it was basically the reason they were over in that area which I understand they have to search every area but yeah it was mainly because of that suspicious man okay which, I, I saw somewhere that saw red I don't know that a girl that also took lessons from mm-hmm. that same place got the same call but she told her mom they said or a similar call and the only thing that connected the two girls was that they both went to the Holly Hills. So maybe that's how they thought. Possibly. Yeah. But I will go into. Some other people. That, that same issue will come up later. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> but not necessarily connected to another girl at the oh, Holly okay. Hills Farms. All right. So after months of unfruitful searching, a woman by the name of Janet Siebold, she had gone out for her early morning jog around 7:30 a.m. and this was on February 8th, 1990. The area that Janet had chosen to jog in that morning was located down Country Road 118 in Ruggles Township, which is in Ashland County. And Ashland County is actually like 50 mile roughly 50 miles southwest of Cleveland. So one thing that was noted was the area that she was jogging in was pretty desolate. It was surrounded by cornfields and there was like one road that led down to a sugar mill. And so while jogging, Janet had noticed something like lavender, she said, in a field. And then as she kept looking, she saw what appeared to be dirty blonde hair. Oh, no. And Janet, like she was too scared to investigate any further on her own. I don't blame her. Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't wouldn't have. So what she did do was she took off down the street to a house that she saw close by and began banging on their back door, shouting that she needed them to call the police and that she thought that she had found a dead body. Oh. So when police and FBI arrived on the scene, they found the body of a young girl that was located about 12 feet from the side of the road. She was laying face down and her body was severely decomposed okay and how long after so she went missing in the end of october this was february early february okay so it was hot as we know yeah and she was so decomposed in fact that her teeth had actually fallen out and were embedded into the dirt below her whoa yeah and although they were not able to identify obviously facial features she was so decomposed they knew that this was Amy Mihelovac because she had the same clothes on that she was wearing when she was reported missing back in October. Okay. Yeah. So those were those lavender sweats. So this this kind of leads me to believe that she was murdered and dumped there shortly after she was taken. Although I don't really understand why no one had seen her up until February when like Janet was jogging. We know that there was a house nearby at least because Janet went to the house so it was close enough for her to run to. Oh, but it wouldn't have been hot at this time, I w- don't think. Like October maybe, but then as it in December, January, does it snow there? I don't know. Yeah, so I'm I'm I personally believe that she was probably there for since October. Yeah. But it's just like confusing to me how nobody 
had found her earlier yeah yeah it is like it's a little strange and then it's and like she had clearly been there for a while her teeth had fallen out and they were like embedded in the dirt that's so sad yeah so police obviously had to conduct conduct an autopsy or the coroner had to conduct an autopsy um on Amy's body and what they determined was that she had two stab wounds to her neck blunt force trauma to her head and they also found signs of sexual assault so the investigation into Amy's abduction and murder was it was extensive over 20,000 interviews had been conducted in connection with her murder And the search for Amy has been said to be the largest in Ohio since the disappearance of a girl named Beverly Potts. Mm -hmm. And that had taken place in 1951. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So despite all of the efforts put into this case by police, the FBI, volunteers, and after conducting many searches, thousands of lie detector tests and conducting over 20, those 20,000 interviews, the FBI and police were, they weren't getting any closer. At yeah. least they weren't sharing that they yeah. were getting any closer. Gosh, it's like the phone call. Mm-hmm. Only something could come of that. I don't know. I'm I'll let to, you. I'm oh, about, really? literally about to go into it. <laughs> so. If only. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't until 2006 that police had identified a possible connection between Amy's disappearance and murder and calls that had been made to other girls in the area around the time that Amy had received her phone call from the mystery man. The girls that had received calls from the mystery guy all said that he had called them claiming that he worked with their mother and wanted to help them buy her a present to celebrate a promotion, which is the exact same phone call that Amy had received. These other girls had lived in North Olmstead, which is a suburb near Bay Village. Uh, but something really strange mm-hmm. is that some of the girls that received calls had unlisted numbers. Whoa. Oh, so they knew the number mm-hmm. somehow. And police believe, so this is a connection that they made. After doing some digging, investigators were able to figure out that all of the girls, including Amy, had visited the Lake Erie Nature and Science Center. Oh. And they had all signed a logbook, which included providing their personal information, such as their address and phone numbers, along with their names. No way. I Mm -hmm. did not know about this. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. So to me, this is the lead is promising. And I, I truly believe that if authorities can figure out who made that call, they would be able to identify Amy's killer easily. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's no way that it isn't that person. Yeah. Okay. Um, they would like tell their moms. Right. But then it's like, why wasn't any of this being reported to police? And then at the time that it happened. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. But mm-hmm. after somebody is killed yeah Mm -hmm. oh by the way so there were other names of possible suspects aside from hb and this mystery caller however i i felt like mentioning every single one of the names that came up would like kind of muddle and confuse the coverage of the case true because none of them actually seemed like viable leads and each person was looked into thoroughly so Mm -hmm. i just wanted to stick to more promising lead so in addition to this mystery man being a very likely suspect there was another suspect that I think could be very promising 
And this particular suspect was revealed to the public on the 31st anniversary of the discovery of Amy's body, which was on February 8th of this year. Whoa. So this is like new. (gasps) Very. Yeah. And the tip that police received came from a 64-year-old man's ex-girlfriend. So police have Mm. not provided a name for this man. But according to the ex-girlfriend, her boyfriend at the time who she was dating while Amy at the time of Amy's disappearance, she stated that her boyfriend had kind of disappeared around the time that Amy went missing and that she didn't see him at all like around that time. And she also stated that their home where they were living at that time was located near the site where Amy was abducted. He was employed in the city that she lived in, that Amy lived in. Okay. And he had a niece that was in the same grade as Amy. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. To make things even more interesting, the ex-girlfriend added that her boyfriend at the time had actually called her late at night on the day that Amy went missing and asked the ex-girlfriend if she had seen the local media coverage of the missing girl. What? Which she <gasps> found to be very odd. Yeah. If I had an ex-boyfriend call me mm-hmm. and be and ask me. Oh, hey. Yeah, because it's like, whoa. why? I would immediately call police. It gets even Ugh. more. Okay. Because police, obviously, they brought the man in and they stated you know they questioned him and they stated that he made and I'm going to put this in air quotes suspicious statements I'm not sure what that means the guy did yes he also admitted to possibly meeting Amy's mom Margaret prior to Amy's disappearance okay and police felt like it was pertinent to collect his DNA which they did and they also conducted a lie detector test which he agreed to and failed Oh my, okay. And after the failed lie detector test, police did a search of a storage unit of his that, like, I guess he had had for a while. Mm -hmm. And they did collect a few items and bring them into evidence. I couldn't find any information regarding what the items were Mm. or whether or not they were even connected to Amy's disappearance or murder, but... To me, it's like, that's super promising. Yeah, very. Yep. And if all of that wasn't enough, there was also two witnesses that had said that they had seen this mystery guy leading Amy into his vehicle, and they both identified the man in a lineup that was done in May of 2020. Okay, and wait, they where did they see this guy the day that she went to... Yeah. Okay, there were two kids. This is something that I wanted to mention earlier, is that there were two boys, 10-year-old mm-hmm. boys, that saw, that witnessed this man leading her to a car or shopping center, and they were able to do a sketch, but the police also said, don't let this sketch kind of... Don't look for people that look like this picture, like look for behaviors because okay. they weren't super sure about the sketch. Well, yeah, little kids are. But so these are the same people. That, I'm, I, I okay. would seem so. But so, years and years and years I mean, later, in May of that's 2020, kind of hard. So that means that police were already looking into this man back in 2020. Okay. Uh, but they didn't release the information until the anniversary of uh, the finding of her body okay so but both of those witnesses did identify that man in the unnamed man (laughs) and a lineup that i again said was done in may 2020 yeah and they both described the vehicle that that the man was in as being one that police confirmed 
was consistent with a vehicle that the mystery guy was driving at the time that Amy was abducted. Okay. So the description they gave back when they were 10 years old Mm -hmm. matched the same type of vehicle that this mystery guy was driving. Okay, so that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. And then also adding to this is the fact that the carpet fibers that were found in his vehicle were similar to fibers found on Amy's body. Okay, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. And it gets worse mm-hmm. <laughs> or better. Uh-huh. And another witness had described a vehicle that was the same make and model as this mystery man's being in the area near the dump site on February 8th, which is the day she was found. Oh my God. 1990, which Whoa. is... Whoa. So my, my thought was that the man could be... The same man making the phone calls. Mm-hmm. So same guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this guy is probably, I would venture to guess, this guy is probably good for it. But, okay, so is he connected to that nature place at all? I, I could not find that. Because how was he getting numbers for... Um, well, he had a niece that was in the fifth grade. Oh, where all okay. the I feel like all the girls were... That's true. And they have school, uh, school yeah. number lists or whatever. Yeah. But I, th- you know, and in terms of him returning to the dump site mm-hmm. on the day she was found, I w- it sounds like he was maybe trying to check out like, yeah. what was going on, which oh my God. is extra creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so that is all I have in terms of the most updated information suspects yeah Yeah. and uh, can I add something a little like as uh, because there was so much information I had to like pick and choose what to actually cover but now as you're going one thought was that so Margaret when she would have lunch during work days Uh she would like go to nearby restaurants or whatever and like set up and read and like drink her wine yeah and so people thought Maybe she gave information to this guy if he's saying he met her before. Oh, um, but I, what kind of information would she give? Like, oh, oh I, have I just a got a new job. Oh, but he was doing it to other people. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. It's just like, who is this guy who's who? Well, she might have said, I have a daughter. Yeah, I have two kids. Here's this kid and my name. And who knows? I don't know. Well, and oh, the, I just got a permanent job. I don't know. Uh, there's got to be another connection, I feel. I feel like there's another well, connection that maybe isn't. Well, I also think isn't. there's probably a lot of information that the police and FBI know that they're not telling. That's what I'm like. There's something else, I think, mm-hmm. that we don't know, but they know. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that they, they didn't release his name, but they felt like it was important enough to make the statement yeah. about this man. And make all this. So I feel like they wouldn't do that if there wasn't something viable behind it. Yeah. So we mentioned earlier that we were, both of us were really invested in researching this case. And we do hope that we did a good job at relaying all the pertinent information, Mm kind of weeding through stuff that wasn't necessarily important. Uh, But we want to give a big thank you again to Mary for recommending this case. And if you have any information regarding the murder of Amy Mihalovic, then you can call in your tip to the FBI in Ohio. And that's 1-800-FBI-OHIO. 
um, or the Bay Village Police Department at 440-871-1234. You can also call tips into just the main FBI tip number, which is 1-800-CALL-FBI. So that's 1-800-225-5324. And there, and then we'll add a link on the FBI page so you can actually do an anonymous online tip mm-hmm. if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's I'm really hoping that they mm-hmm. close the lid on this one and that it's actually her killer and that they can prove it and everyone can I know. find the, the answer because it's just so incredibly tragic. It was hard watching her the video of her doing her presentation. She was so she, she, had, she so just innocent and sweet. Well, and then she had just a lot going for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just they're evil, evil, evil. Mm-hmm. POS is on this earth and whoever did this is one of them and mm-hmm. let's catch that bastard and then also just because Mary had mentioned it to us there is a book by an author named James Renner and he also is very invested in yeah. Amy's case I checked a little bit of it out but I also we're going to be include a link to the Amazon page where if you guys want to check his book out you can do so and then I also used one of his articles he used to work at a newspaper called the Cleveland scene and he wrote a pretty lengthy article about Amy's case so that was one of our resources as well so yeah we'll and thank that. you Mary for that too yeah yeah that was good information mm-hmm. yeah all right well that just about wraps it yep. up for and then, episode 14 oops sorry Go. before i forget if anybody else wants to write in and make any suggestions on cases they would like to hear us cover then you guys can do that at murder sisters pod at gmail.com so that's murder sisters pod at gmail.com and that concludes episode 14. 14. We'll say it once. We'll say it again. It's episode 14. 14. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Thank bye, you. guys. <laughs>